Hey guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please support this podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talco Supremo. All right, so you can probably tell from the episode title that this story is graphic, but it's a story that I desperately wanted to cover, so I'm glad that one of our Supremos requested it for us. Today's story will not just deal with suffering and death, but will also open a discussion for an important question that everyone must answer. No matter your color, language, religion, or gender, this thought-provoking question broaches all human morality. What is my life worth? Answering that single question may help us unlock answers to several others, such as when does individual suffering outweigh that desire to keep living? And lastly, when does treatment shift to torture? So follow me through the internal conflicts and human struggles as we don our aprons to study the science of death. Well, welcome back to Talk Murder to Me. Yay! It's Taco Tuesday! Yep, yep, yep. And we got a last minute hint from John mm-hmm. for this episode. Mm-hmm. We were we were about to go hintless until at the last minute, chromosome was the hint for the evening. Don't worry, I still have my emergency beer planted right in front of me. I don't think this is a bad drink. We're drinking something about DNA, some some sort of DNA cocktail. What does that stand for? Di Oxyro- dioxynucleic di- dioxynucleic acid something science <laughs> something science. science yeah that's correct something science <laughs> so the cocktail is something DNA I forget what the name of it was and it didn't have the um, exact proportions it wouldn't let me click into it so I just got the ingredients and I put them all together and it actually doesn't taste so bad so it is gin Thanks, Nipatati, for your contributions to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, blue curacao, which we normally don't like. Mm-mm. Pineapple juice, strawberry, and lime juice. It's really, really good. I don't hate this. It's like uh, the blue version of Hawaiian Punch, but the adult version. I, I feel like, like that's what DNA would taste like, too. Kind of sweet. Tart. Hawaiian Punch? You know what I'm saying? I like no. it. So, Nicole, where are we going this, you're not going to be able to guess it anyway. There's no way in hell. You know what? I have not had a very long time. Hell would have to freeze to over to digest you. this little kernel of a hint since you gave it to us like 10 minutes ago. But I'm going to say this is going to be a New York story tonight. And we are going to a um, a hospital type setting. No, a uh, a scientist is the murderer, but he tries to sub his DNA on the crime scene for someone else's DNA in the lab. Wait, what? So he's the scientist is the murderer, and he's trying to be all like, oh, smart oh, so about. He substitutes- okay, so he substitutes like blood. Yeah, he okay. like takes out his DNA and puts. In someone else's to convict someone else other than him. 
So uh, that would be a great plot line for a movie. Yeah, it would. But we're not in a movie yet. Correct. Correct. So, um, I don't know. I think John was kind of giving you a hint within a hint by saying hell's going to freeze over. Ooh. What? So, no. I, well, I'm going to guess, even though I know this isn't real, but there is a place in Rhode Island called Purgatory Falls. <laughs> Purgatory, Purgatory Falls. It's like, it's like a park or that something. That sucks. So, maybe... Um, I think I think that the the killer has a defect on one of their chromosomes, which leads to them being discovered. Ooh, that's probably a lot more realistic than my guess. You never know. <laughs> surprise shots! Surprise shots! We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Can I also just say about our, our Greenville show? There are um, quite a few repeat show attenders going Ooh. to the Greenville show. There is a Cereal whole attenders. crew who went to our Charlotte show that is going to the Greenville show. They're bringing all their friends. So clearly they had a good time at the Charlotte show. That's and exciting. We can't wait. All right, let's take the shot. I genuinely don't know what it is tonight. So what do you mean? You poured it. Yeah, but it was in one of those secret bottles from Christmas. What do you mean? Oh, 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 gotcha. It was in a shaker bottle. Yeah. Oh, I have, I I have a feeling I'm not going to like you then. Sorry. Shots. Cheers. Fruit Ooh. Loop Vodka. Ugh, not my favorite. Ugh. We got to be almost done with that stuff, right? Almost. So I waited to take mine because it smelled like some sort of cleaning product. Well, it smelled, it's like lemon so pledge. I thought we maybe this you every time. accidentally poured that into that mystery bottle. That's why I waited for you guys to take it. It's like lemon pledge. Because if you guys fall over dead, but I, at least I'll like be it. alive. But I don't right? think it would take effect that soon. But as soon as she said fruit and vodka, have any, I took it. I don't have I, I don't have any reason to like poison you guys. So. No, but just you miss. John obviously has reasons to poison us. That's why he's paranoid. Yeah, I wouldn't mm-hmm. poison you guys. We, I have, we I have were, already figured out how I would do it. We were talking earlier about um, what got us onto this topic. You're like, if you cheated, I would kill you. And I said. Good. If you cheated, I would also kill you. And I said, wait, I don't know if I would kill you, but I would definitely castrate you. And then he just said, oh, I would kill you. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, but I'm so glad that, like, you know. Fidelity is our number one But I'm at 120 here. murder stories right now, so I definitely know how to get away with it. I'm just saying. If I was to do it, I well, could get away with it. You've been reading them, but I've been hearing them, so I've got a good, pretty good idea as well. Well, I haven't been telling you all the information, oh, all okay. the good information. I've okay. been holding. Okay, put it in a, put it in a little I'm gonna haunt your ass when I. <laughs> well, the only reason <laughs> no, why I don't believe in ghosts, no ghosts, so. <laughs> no ghosts. Well, the only reason why you'd have to kill me is if I was unfaithful, and that's just not who I am. All right, so let's get this on. All night long, all night. All right, tonight's episode is a Talkers Primo special episode. Ooh. For someone that I haven't done one for in a very long time, and I was really excited to research this story. All right. And tonight, we're going here. You have no idea what country that is. Is that Japan? (laughs) Yeah. Is this for Danielle? Yeah. I just was talking to her for the first time in a month. I know. We're going to Tokamura, Japan. Hey, I will say props to Danielle for the geisha story. 
That was a good one. Forever, like, I cannot think of a geisha and not think of a penis in, like, butcher paper. Yeah, so this is Japan, and it's on the east coast of Japan right there. You, Why would this story take place right by the coast? Hmm. It's easy to dump a body in the water. Isn't that close to where the um, nuclear power plant was? Ah! <laughs> what do you know about that, eh? Fukushima was the nuclear power plant, right, that had a meltdown as um, a result of an earthquake? I I don't know anything about that story, to be honest. Um, but is that not close to where that is? Or is that near Hiroshima or Nagasaki? I don't, I don't know where close that is. Hiroshima is in the south. My, Hiroshima is where, near where my sister is. But it is... Which at is the near, edge. Kind of wherever it's at, wherever that's at, it is at the edge because you know they need they bring in the water to use for the nuclear for fissions the or whatever. Yeah, so I think that's clo- close to it. And, and plus, they they need somewhere to dump all that you know waste. Oh, that's radioactive right. put, waste. Put that in the oceans. Yeah. Oh, and I want to say my mom used to work at Savannah River site, which is a nuclear power plant in Aiken. Okay, and she has told me before that she saw. A two-headed deer and like a three-headed <laughs> fish, like from The Simpsons. Yeah, that's real things because, and not that they're purposely dumping, you know, it out in the river. They are, <laughs> but you know, it. Some of it gets out. You know, when they go out, there were buckets and obviously poured out, <sighs> and it, it infects the wildlife. Affects the wildlife. All right, so this right here is Hasashi, <laughs> and I love his last name. You're not gonna, you're not gonna forget. His name, his name is Hasashi Auchi. Like, Auchi, I stubbed my toe kind of shit. <laughs> I mean, O-U-C-H-I. So I'm going to call him Auchi. All right. Well, that's his first name, technically. Well, I mean, it's just easier to call him that. He's 35 years old. Uh, he, there's a young picture. He looks a little younger there. And uh, go to talkmore.com to see all of these. You're definitely, if there's one episode you want to look at pictures, it's not this one. Because these are pictures you can never unsee. Kind of like the last Jap- Japanese story that we did. Yeah, that yeah, one was pretty good. So real. here's the thing about, like, so this is the 120th episode, and I feel like different countries have different kind of, like... Styles? Sty- well, styles, yeah. So, like, Canada, obviously, they're lenient on oh, criminals. Yeah. Australia, they just have really... I don't know if maybe this isn't a thing, but just really interesting stories, at least to me. Mm-hmm. And Japan is always just like fucking really like just pretty dark, <laughs> really dark. Every and, you story know, it makes sense because, so you know, where's all the good horror movies come from? Japan. You know, they got a very dark. His- yeah. Like the ring. All those movies came from Japan. Like really? they got a very dark, you know, sense huh. to them. And it makes sense because, you know, I don't know. Now he has a wife and son and as. As I said before, he lives in he lives in Tokamura, Japan. I have no idea about Japan. Where's your sister live? She is in Iwakuni. Where's that at? It is um, the closest major city is Hiroshima. Um, she is about an hour and a half train ride from Osaka, which is the second largest city in Japan. Okay, um, so it's southern, southern on the east coast. Okay, he's got a wife and a son that's in the third grade. Now, he just bought a brand new home, and guess what his occupation is? He's making pretty decent money. He works for a power plant. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, he does. 
The one that had the thing? Not that one. Not that one. I don't know much about that one. But I do know, and because I actually started listening to an audiobook about that one, and that one's crazy because they, they do these things called Suicide Corps, where the there's like this team oh. that go in, and during a meltdown, they're literally going in to die and trying to save everyone save else. everyone else. But it's like a suicide mission. They call oh, them the Suicide Corps, and and this in this story too. But that's um, rough. I wonder how much money they make. Probably not a lot. Well, to be in the Suicide Corps, are you better? Damn, hope that they would be paying a lot of money for no, that. No, probably not. I mean, you're basically expendable meat. You're like the frontline infantry. Yeah, but that's the. I think that's the price of. Being the expendable meat, obviously. Isn't there a suicide forest in Japan somewhere? Yeah. yeah. yeah Where they like there's like a movie that they made about it. I forgot the name of it. It's um so you go to you go there and I don't think it's haunted or anything. I think it's just mm-hmm. a really serene place that people I mean, people are already going there to kill themselves anyway. You know, they just want to do it there. I don't know much about it, but I don't know. There's so, I feel like it had something, don't quote me on this, something to do with like the, the there's like toxins in the trees that suppress, like secrete mm. some, something that makes you hallucinate. Something like that. I don't know, but there are signs everywhere on that forest that say like, do not enter, you know, or, you know, alone especially. Think, because like literally 30% of people that go in there. And, um, you should watch it. I think Matthew McConaughey is in it. All right. So. Um, Worth watching. This is from the book, which I'll tell you about in a second. Uh, quote, Ouchie was punctual, waking up every morning by 6 a.m. and leaving the house at 6.40 a.m. He smoked one pack of cigarettes per day and Ooh. drank two glasses of sho- shochu and water before going to bed at 9 p.m. That was Ochi's daily routine or Ouchie's daily routine. He was a high school rugby player. So, all right. A Japanese high school rugby player, he's bigger than the usual guy. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, if you go over to Japan, even you, what, how, how tall are you? 5'4"? Mm-hmm. You'll be the tallest person over there if you go to Japan right now. Like, if we get lost in the market, you'd be able to see me, you know, because I'd be towering over everyone. Like, I'd like also, also just be easy to spot, generally. Yeah. If I got lost in the market, I don't, I, you probably wouldn't be able to find me because I'd be lost. But hopefully we'd be able to easily find you. Oh, yeah. They'd be calling me Matumbo from far away. All right. So he was pretty heavy built. He was actually 5'7", which is like heavy built for a Japanese guy. 168 pounds. I mean, the book says he's heavy built. That's just like, that's a, a weakling over here. 168 pounds. Do you weigh 210? I'm talking but about. I'm also fat. Well, not really. No, you're not fat. I'm not fat, but I'm not skinny either. All right. Now, his wife said, quote, we'd known each other since high school. We got married after seven years of dating, which sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it does. You know, I mean, I tried to wait a few more years, but, you know, one of the people that you're going to meet later says, quote, his wife is so level headed and he's fawning over her. It's so cute. Like they were really in love. Okay, this guy up here. He's a pretty good-looking Japanese guy. Sure. I don't know. They all look the same. Um, <laughs> he's very cheerful and lighthearted, and he loved to fish for the radioactive fish. Fair. He okay. also had a son that resembled... His son in third grade actually looked just like him. Hmm. All right, little, that's a little bit about him. Now, 
What do you guys think that's going to happen? What am I talking about? Why is this on a murder podcast? Somebody dies. A nuclear explosion? Somebody murders murder. He's murdered. He's the victim. Our last story wasn't a murder. He's a technician at the JCO Takamuro plant. That's located in Takamuro Ibaraki off Route 6. I don't know if that's how to pronounce it. It doesn't matter. You guys are never going to go there anyway. I can promise you. It's surrounded by restaurant and houses. So everyone that lives in this little city, just like Chernobyl, right? Their husbands or their wives or whoever works at the power plant. So there's restaurants that get built up around it to, you know, build this community mm-hmm. it's a it's a nuclear community right everybody huh. there who who lives there works at the power plant yeah so jco the jco is the company now they are pretty new into nuclear power they actually have 400 years of metal making mm. which that has got to be an honor because you know what's japan known for swords fucking samurai swords yeah. right holy shit katanas you know yeah, so they did that for 400 years, and they just got into the nuclear uh, power. Mm. Let me go over to science a little bit. If you guys watched Chernobyl, I'm going to run through this really quick. If you watch Chernobyl, you'll understand this. They used what material to reduce the speed of the reaction? There was something, remember, there was like blocks of it. You remember there was like big blocks of it on the ground. It exploded and, and blocks of it everywhere. And, the, and they were like, no, that's not that. That can't be that because it was in the reactor. You remember what it is? Same thing that's in was pencils. It lead. I think it's in pencils. Lead. Uh, not lead. Graphite. Oh. Well. Graphite reduces the speed of neutrons. That's why they, they, they build these reactors out of graphite. Now, they have... Cadmium rods. Do you remember in Chernobyl when they had the rods mm-hmm. and they would push them down further to like slow the reaction mm-hmm. and yep. pull them up further to let more of the fission? And so you remember that? Yeah. I know there's like sciencey. But- Do you think that if they release graphite into the atmosphere that it would slow down time? What? Why if you're slow slowing down, down, well, it's slowing down the reaction, the 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 nuclear reaction. So wouldn't it maybe slow down other types of neutrons is that how science works in nuclear engineering fissile material is material capable of sustaining a nuclear fission chain reaction by definition fissile material can sustain a chain reaction with neutrons of thermal energy the predominant neutron energy may be typified by either slow neutrons or fast neutrons all right that's from wikipedia so the uranium, like you see on Family Guy, is Stewie's always trying to get uranium or plutonium or whatever the fuck it is. You know, a highly reactive substance chemistry class. Okay, that is processed at an enrichment facility to increase the percent of composition of composition of uranium two thirty five, which is highly fissionable. Okay, basically, he works at a plant that makes it stronger. That's all you got to okay. know. Alchi was working in the conversion test building. Okay. Basically, what he did was filter uranium that had been melted down in a stainless steel bucket. Okay. Now, this wasn't actually the, uh, this wasn't actually the exact guideline from the nuclear association that it's basically like Geneva Convention. Like everyone agrees to do it a certain way. Mm-hmm. This, this, facility was 
kind of skirting the rules and taking an easy way out. They were basically pouring this uranium into a bucket and then having one guy pour that bucket into a bigger bucket filled with other shit. That sounds totally safe. It was not totally safe. Not safe at all. Anyway, here's a little snippet of what that process looked like. Go to talkmer.com to see this. Now, this right here, you're seeing this picture? This you is, see this, this big is the This is the, the cheap way to do it, not the real way to do it. Yeah, It's not necessarily the cheap way. It's the faster way. All right. Yeah. Okay? They, they're because shortcutting it. They're, they're, they're shortcutting short, it. Yeah. Because in, in the book that I read, which I'll, you know, I'll give you information on that in a bit, they called it the shadow guide. It, the shadow guide means it's not regular regulations gotcha okay this is like how oh no don't worry about that you know that's just overprotecting. that's overprotection. you don't need that sure because like that's something anyone should ever say in a nuclear power plant well, but okay ouchie now ouchie is brand new there he's he's never worked in a enrichment testing center before so he's brand new like two weeks so if his boss he says something He's going to do it. Now, Alchi is the one you're seeing right here. Go to talkmer.com. He's the one standing up, not on the ladder. Okay, you see that the guy is pouring it, the uranium into that big container. So, Alchi is the guy that's standing right by the container. Okay. Okay. Now, and I have a little giphy on talkmer.com. He's like holding a funnel? No, he, yeah, he is holding a funnel. Very good. Yes, he is holding the funnel. They were actually on the seventh bucket of this stuff. So it's filtered uranium solution that has been melted and they pour it into a large precipitation tank. And Ouchie held the funnel, like you said. They were on their seventh bucket. When Ouchie's colleagues started pouring the last of the uranium solution, Ouchie heard a loud smack accompanied by a blue light. Known as the Shurkinov light, the light is emitted when criticality is reached. At that instant, neutron beams, the most powerful form of radioactive energy, pierced through their bodies. Okay, so basically, when the atom bomb dropped... A flash of light. Those people saw that bright light that this is not even white, it's blue. You know, it's just very, very intense heat. Mm -hmm. And that's what he saw right in his face. Okay, now, you'll, you'll hear the word criticality. Okay, Mm -hmm. now this is from Wikipedia. A criticality accident is an uncontrolled nuclear fission chain reaction. It is sometimes referred to as a critical excursion, a critical power excursion, or a divergent chain reaction. Basically, that's when shit hits the fan. When You remember in Chernobyl when it gets to a point, it's like the tipping point. You know, Malcolm Gladwell always talks about the tipping point. It's a tipping point when you can't damn control it anymore. And it's doing whatever the fuck it wants to do. That's criticality. Yep. That fucking happened in his face. A dissolution tower with a shape designed to prevent criticality was originally used to dissolve uranium compounds to produce a re- uranium solution. But since January 1993, the, the dissolution tower had been replaced by a stainless steel bucket against regulations. During the dissolution stage, the container must be cleaned after each dissolution. If any solution remains in the container, uranium-235 would accumulate and the percentage composition would increase. But using a bucket simplifies the cleaning process and therefore requires less processing time, which is why it was chosen to replace the dissolution tower. 
At 10.35, all he hears is his boss yell, run, quote, run for your lives. Oh. Okay. That's when Ouchie makes his way into the changing room outside of the radiation area and he vomits and then he loses consciousness. I was going to say, would running even help? Like at that point, you're right. You're exposed to a shit ton of radiation. Yeah, a shit ton. There were three people in that room. Now, they're all taken to National Mito Hospital near the nuclear facility before they were helicoptered to the National Institute of Radiological Sciences in Chiba. All right, by 10 p.m., 310,000 residents were within a 10,000-kilometer radius were evacuated, and that suicide core was the first to go in, okay? Because they they, were going to contain the meltdown. Even with that flash, even though it was not a nuclear meltdown, they still had to, like, evacuate the whole town. They're just like, well, they kind of didn't do that in Chernobyl, but, you know, like, they had to get everybody the fuck out. Yeah. The question we're asking about this story is, can this man, Alchi, be saved? Okay. Mm. Now, a guy named Mekawa, he was a, now he's the main guy, the main doctor over all of it. So if I say Mekawa, he's the guy in charge of this entire thing. This, tonight we're going to go through the very graphic and brutal effects of radiation and basically one man's desire to keep this guy alive, okay? Macawa's desire to keep him Macawa, alive? yeah, Dr. Macawa. So he is a medical professor from the Department of Medicine at the University of Tokyo, and he was in charge of determining Ouchie's condition. Everything went through him. He was the very top. And there were a lot of people. This was This was not only... Japan news. This was U.S. news. This was everyone. Right. Because as you'll see, the amount of radiation that was inflicted upon Ouchie has never been seen in a living person before. Mm. Even for the Chernobyl disaster? Yes. Wow. Even for Chernobyl. This is standing right there, right? So as far as medical textbooks and doing things by the doctrine, this is new. So the entire world was watching this unfold. And it's a very gruesome tale I'm about to, I'm I about mean, to tell isn't you. I mean, isn't it? It's impossible. Like, you can't save someone who's been exposed to that much radiation. Well, I, we don't know. That's what we're going to try to answer. All right. Quote, the most important information in treating radiation sickness is the amount of radiation to which the patient has been exposed. Radiation dose 8SV is written on the memo. SV is a symbol for sievert, a unit measuring radiation level. So sievert is basically like, you know, any unit of measurement, inch to measure your penis or whatever. Like, I mean, you know, it's just a unit of measurement, right? Sievert is a unit of measurement for Mm -hmm. how much radiation is getting into his body. All right. So keep that in mind. Okay. According to the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, they estimated that algae had been exposed to levels way over 8 SV. Now, the mortality rate for someone that has been exposed to more than 8 sieverts, SV, of radiation is how much? What's the mortality rate? What Zero. percentage? Percentage. 100% mortality? 100%. 
Oh. There's a hundred percent chance if you get exposed to radiation of eight SV, you got a one hundred percent chance of dying. Technically, we all have a hundred percent chance of dying, but I get. What I'm you're saying. saying everybody. If you have a, if you were exposed to eight SV, yeah, you gonna die. Like, you're tomorrow. going to die. His actual exposure was around twenty SV. Wow. Approximately 20,000 times the maximum exposure. Now, let's talk about the damage to the human body. Damage to the human body begins the instant it is exposed to extreme doses of neutron beam radiation. When chromosomes, the blueprints of life, are shattered into pieces and are unable to regenerate, the body is condemned to slow decay. This was a known reality from the string of criticality accidents beginning in the early days of atomic research. So the radiation shatters your chromosomes, or was that a figure of speech? You guys know what chromosomes are? Yeah. They, they make up the... Something about DNA, because okay. that's what we're drinking. Chromosomes equal blueprint, right? Yeah. Your Gen- chromosomes, you have, what, 22? In your bo- 23 in your body? 23 in me, yeah. So 23 in your body... And males have an X and Y, females have an X and X. The chromosomes are what tell your body to make you. It has all your genetic information. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yeah. Like that makes your body. So let's say, um, let's say your skin, for example, you know, your skin regenerates every what, eight days or something like that. It's something crazy. So if you didn't have chromosomes, your skin wouldn't do that because there was no, there's no blueprint to it to follow. You know what I'm saying? Everything in your body is mapped out in these chromosomes, right? Yeah. And I, I'm not a chemistry major, but it's like the blueprint of life. These chromosomes, mm-hmm. the right. blueprint of life. I, I'm sorry, is I know it's sciency, but it's very interesting. You stick with me, promise. What's yeah. the name of the book we're reading from again? It's called A Slow Death. Is by NHK TV Tokamura Criticality Accident Crew. Hmm. Yeah, and I will give you the name of the uh, the subtitle of the book, but it'll give kind of the story away. Okay, but the book's called A Slow Death. Hmm. Right now, do you think he's going to live? And how many days do you think he's going to live um, if he does? I don't think he's going to live, and I think he will die within eight days. I th- All right, Jen. And remember, we started at uh, this story actually starts on September 30th, 1999. So tell me, Jim, will he make the new year? Will he be able to listen to Big Willie style or Willinium, excuse me, Willinium when the ball drops? Um, yes, but only because he's been kept alive due to a medical intervention. Yeah, I don't think he would have naturally been able to survive. The, the criticality happened. Boom. Big light, run for your lives, all this shit. He runs into the break room, vomits, loses consciousness. He wakes up in the emergency room. Like, the very next hour. Like, I mean, this is on. It's, like, fast. Boom, Mm -hmm. boom, boom. He's Mm -hmm. in the emergency room. So, Makawa is immediately called to handle the whole case. He claims that on first seeing Ouchie, he, he did, quote, did not look like a critical patient from any angle. He had no red or swollen parts. His eyes were slightly bloodshot. The skin was not burnt or peeling. Hmm. Okay, I mean, think about Chernobyl. Those guys, the skin's melted off. Yeah. So he has no blisters and he's fully conscious. 
Okay, fully conscious. But didn't he threw up as soon as he? He did throw up. This is Ouchie in the hospital. The first day. He looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. I think he's got a good chance of survival here. What do you guys think? Um, again, no. When Makawa asked Ouchie if he had any pain, he complained of pain under his ear and in his right hand. Makawa recalls their first meeting. Mr. Ouchie's answers were accurate and honest, very reliable. I remember very clearly that Mr. Ouchie, who had the highest level of radiation exposure, was the most emotionally stable of the three patients. Seeing the person before my eyes, independent of the data of his radiation exposure levels and his constantly declining lymphocyte count, I thought we might be able to save his life. So, from all accounts, you just saw the picture. Go to talkmore.com to see. Because you're going to want to follow this. He looks pretty good. That's what Nicole said. He does. Now, from the get-go of this story, you're, if you don't know what this story is about, you're about to understand the point I'm trying to make. This will sum it up for you. The book says, quote, Regardless of the situation, letting a patient die is a dishonor for a physician. Yeah, you got to try. You got to make them feel comfortable. He wanted to help this patient so much that he was willing to carry the burden of such a dishonor. All I could do was cooperate. You do you guys understand this is about to get really rough. (laughs) I'm sure it is. I remember seeing the what those bodies looked like in that show. All right, doctors and nurse, doctors and nurses from the entire time um, through this guy's hospital visit avoided turning on the radio or news so he would not know that he got the fatal radiation dose of eight. But, you know, he got 20, which is double that. More than. All right, so let's start right now at day two. Day two, he started showing signs of deterioration. Ooh. All right. Now his urine. Now I'm I'm gonna kind of get into um, some specific charting stats. You know what they what they were writing on this chart. His urine output decreased slightly. Oxygen density in his blood decreased. He was requiring oxygen inhalation and other treatment. Abdomen started to swell, which means damage to his intestines. As I'll get into later, his abdomen uh, was actually the uh, the one, the part of his body that received the most radiation. Hmm. And it's very, um, it's very proportional as I was reading. So um, if, if your hand receives all the radiation, mm-hmm. your hand's going to be all fucked up, right? Yeah. Your body is not going to really be fucked up. The stomach then is probably not a good place for you to get the most radiation. Oh, fuck no. Fuck no. It's like the worst place, probably. Mm. Um, Saturday, October 2nd, day number three. They formed two different categories. All right, this is the all right. We got this patient, and the whole world is watching because no one in the history of nuclear power has sustained such a radiation blast and had been exposed to so much radiation and is still not even alive. He's still conscious. He's still making jokes, and his skin hasn't like started melting. He's or still anything. kissing his wife. He oh, looks no. fine. Oh, well, they probably did, shouldn't allow that. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's like well, that's like 10 times worse than passing on the, like the herpes simplex virus via well, actually, aka cold sores. I'd actually, rather... all right. Yeah, that's true and I would never do that, but pass on a cold sore? I did read that it was uh radiation is it's not like contagious. You're not going to radiate somebody. But you can't come somebody. into co- you can't come into close contact. Yeah, but it's it's it the radiation just does is does its damage 
and then that's it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you have radiation in your body. It's kind of how I kind of learned what, what I was reading. It's not like you're contagious with radiation. But I, but I think in some way it's like, it's almost like a... You need to be cautious. Yeah, they were still wearing full it's almo- uh, masks it's almost, and everything. It's almost like it's a halo effect where it can be around you. Because yeah. otherwise, why would they in that like movie Chernobyl? Glowing. Like you can't. No, they. It, you could cause birth defects. Remember in that yeah, show? Yeah. Um. Or like that's why they shot all the animals because mm, like they, yeah, you can't. True. Well, that can't be around. From what the book says, th- and, I, and I'm not a nuclear scientist, but this form of radiation that he got was not harmful and but they all the doctors to, and nurses still others. like wore full mask and stuff like i mean they, they did and they were worried that you know it was going to leak through yeah but and like i don't know the science but it wasn't i don't know contagious or whatever fuck i, I don't know interesting no no one else got sick that was treating them let's just say that well it might have been because they were wearing the appropriate protective gear Day three, they're putting them in two different categories. Now, this this is a human life we're talking about. Right. And it, it's it's do or die right here. There's two there's two categories we got to put them in right now for the maximum effect. Number one, centralized monitoring for his performance status. I want to know every fucking thing ever. And Makawa, he studied every chart. I mean, every minute he looked at Everything I'm talking about, like all kinds of stats, like oxygen, like O2, uh, blood pressure, every but minute by minute by minute by minute by minute, he monitored this guy. Okay, number two, the sec, the second category, recovering his immune system in order to protect his body from foreign agents. Now, this is what we're going to talk about real quick. It's a little sciency, but Nicole, tell me what white blood cells are. Uh, what, what do they do? What's their purpose? Immune system. There you go, Nicole or Jen. Immune system. All right, they have this thing in them. Lymphocytes. Oh shit! Yeah, tell me about lymphocytes, Jen, please. They attack the bad. They, they attack the bad um, stuff. Oh, Jen, you saved my life. Yeah. So lymphocytes. Very good, Jen. That's very smart of you. The lymphocytes. Now, his lymphocytes were decreased from up to 48% to 1.9%. Basically, here's how it is, Nicole. Your white blood cells protect you from when you get a harmful bacteria like the coronavirus coming in. Is this kind of like what happens when you have AIDS? Does it depletes your white blood cell count? I'm not sure. I'm not at any expertise to talk about that. But I know when you get sick... Your white blood cell count increases because T-cells. it's trying to fight these this virus mm-hmm. or B- bacteria. T- B-, or whatever. B cells and T cells. I don't know why I'm pulling out my like biology brain because I definitely did not do well in that class in college. Science was my worst. High school, high school. Yeah. But I still can tell you that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah. So the first thing that we need it to looks talk like about a little beam with squiggles and, inside and. I know this is a little bit of science and I'm sorry, but the first thing we need to talk about is active cell division. Cells regenerate, right? So like white blood cells, which control the immunity, if they're not, if they're not regenerating, they're not fighting off infections. So the two categories, again, were monitoring everything. And the second one was fighting infections or any bacteria. I'm talking about any bacteria. 
I mean, anything. It would had to be a completely sterile room because if you have no white blood cells, mm-hmm. which he barely had. I mean, he has one point four percent blood white blood cells when everyone else has like half. So yes, Nicole, this is similar to the autoimmune deficiency yeah. syndrome. So literally, if the two categories were monitoring him and making sure he doesn't get infected and any fucking thing would infect him. But a little like, fucking germ that crawls on your ball sack will probably jump in him and just kill him immediately. So that's kind of like how, why, for example, when you go and you get a flu shot, they actually inject a little bit of the flu into you because as a healthy person, you do have those white white blood cells and they'll recognize the flu and then they'll like learn how to fight it. But with this... And AIDS, like, if you don't have any of those, you'll just, like, die instantly, essentially. So his white blood cells literally just became non-existent. Right. Which is very bad. Because just think, he could get sick. Not even sick. I mean, one little bacteria strain will kill him. A, a sneeze would A sneeze would him. kill him. Exactly. Very good. So he's left with no defense to his body. Is he living in a bubble yet? At all. All right, so the recommendation bet. is a transplant, the uh, hemo, and I fucking know. hemoglobin. No hematopoietic stem cells. Basically, here's how it is: they, they take uh, you know bone marrow, right? Mm-hmm. When yep. you go get bone marrow to someone, mm-hmm. they basically take that uh, that uh, white cell, white blood cell mm-hmm. formula out of your fucking bones, and they inject it into someone, and that helps create white blood cells in them. That, that's what you do when you give bone marrow. Yeah. So basically it's painful, the stem cell the stem cell transplant the stem cell transplant that he was getting was to replenish his white blood cells. That's the first thing. Okay. Now he was transferred oh. to the University of Tokyo Hospital to undergo this stem cell transplantation. That would be that that is interesting that they'd even go that far for someone with that high of a exposure. I think it's honorable so far. Secondary radiation becomes a concern when radioactive substances known as the fallout are emitted from atomic explosions or near reactor accidents. Radioactive substances such as strontium-90 and cesium-137 are capable of emitting radiation, in other words, radioactivity, and thus are extremely harmful to the human body. Medical staff risk radiation risk radiation exposure by touching or breathing any radioactive substances present on the patient's body or clothes. He says, quote, I feel sluggish. There's a pain in my hand. His right hand was actually so swollen and it became red as if it was out in the sun way too long. It was sunburned. But this wasn't like when when he went in there, he was fine. Let, Let me show you his hand when he went in there. You mean to, when he first went into the hospital? Go to talkmore.com to see. Yeah. That's his hand. Normal. Normal hand. Normal That's hand. Still swollen. Still swollen. But. Okay, look- but it's normal. All right. All right. Day five. Day five, Monday, October 4th, 1999. Can we make the new year? Willennium. Getting jiggy with it. Okay. 13 departments or were was- called in. Cell therapy, transplantation medicine, dermatology, gastro enterology, infectious diseases, blood transfusion, clinical laboratory, and radiology. 
Quote, everything we're dealing with is new, making it difficult to predict this kind of symptoms the patient will show. I'd like each department to assign a physician so we can have a medical specialist examine the patient as soon as a symptom appears. Because if a symptom appears, he's dead because he has no white blood cells. So if he gets a cold, he's dead. As soon as a symptom appears, you got to treat it right there or he's dead. I mean, I can see why he would want someone from each department in there because because of this new like because what they're dealing with is is kind of new for them. They want to be able to study it and understand it. So in case it happens again. Right. Yeah, that would make sense to me. Yeah, but just like you said, they want to study it and understand it. So in case it happens again, it's a human life, though. Just keep that in mind. How much studying can they do before it gets immoral? But right now we're on day five. I know. And they're doing what they can to keep him alive. Just keep that in mind. I'm I'm saying they take a Hippocratic oath, right, to do what they can to keep the patient alive. Well, this is Japan. I don't know if they have that. Alchi was still able to talk this day five. His memory was good. He says, quote, I wonder if I'm going to contract something like leukemia. And um, so Nicole bought me a book called The Emperor of Maladies. And if you want to really be heartbroken, read that book. If you really want to put yourself to sleep later. It's basically um, <laughs> cancer. And oh, no. he, he talks about uh, this guy, very, very intelligent guy. Um talks about as a doctor his patients with leukemia and if you want to talk probably the worst one of the worst 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 diseases to have is leukemia it's awful it it attacks the white blood cells so it and it, it is essentially your white your white it's like your white blood cells are on the front line of this war and then the cancer is coming and then the white blood cells are trying to fight it but then eventually the cancer attacks the white blood cells and then you like die okay so day 7 october right? 5th black so. yeah day 7 october 5th day 7 still looking good although the chromosomes, the, what we're talking about, the blueprint of life that contain all the genetic information, didn't seem normal. They had uh, black dots in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you guys know what a chromosome is? It looks like a, a worm. Kind of like a little, little thing. I'll show you what a chromosome. Let me show you what a chromosome looks like. It looks like a little X. That's what a chromosome looks like. It looks like a little X. Jen had it right. Or a okay. little Y. So his chromosomes did not look like that. Now, this is day seven. His were uh, black, black and dotted. Okay. Mm, that that doesn't sound healthy. Do, do you see that? Oh. Does his does those chromosomes look like the one you're seeing there? No, the it looks like there's some sort of mass growing inside of them. It looks like they're all fucked up. And, and the thing about chromosomes, they're the blueprint of life. So what happens if your chromosomes... Are fucked up. Well, it just, it changes how a lot of, uh, it depends on which chromosomes are affected, actually. All of them. They're all, all I mean, because you got 23 of them. They're 23 just, pair. Yeah, I know, but they're, they're, you just saw the picture. They're all fucked up. So if, if your chromosomes are screwed up, then your body can't re, because you like, uh, your body is supposed to be growing new cells or producing new cells there you constantly. Go. So there if your you chromosomes go. are fucked up, then your body can't produce new cells. Period. There you go. Right there. Good new job. cell is new cell regeneration. So skin, organs, proteins, 
anything, your body, so if your body cannot reproduce, just going to be old. So think about your skin. What's the skin going to look like in a few days? You, your skin, you know, replaces itself in a few days. If it doesn't do that, what's oh. going to be there? Do you, do you guys understand what it's I'm trying gonna to say? Be, it's going to be Mm-mm. this poor guy. So nothing new is going to produce in his body. Boom. There you go. One micrograph made Harai doubt his eyes. It was supposed to be a magnification of bone marrow cell chromosomes. What Harai saw instead were scattered black dots, significantly different from the human chromosomes that he was used to seeing. All right. So what Nicole just read, basically, in a nutshell, Ochi's body is not able to produce any more cells. And your cells need to be reproduced. And he also has, like, no white blood cells. Exactly. So he cannot regenerate cells. Like, I mean, guys, this is the second baseline. Baseline one was what? He had 20 SV when the the mortality rate for 8 SV is 8. Okay, that's baseline one. Baseline two is his chromosomes are fucked. And you can't just inject someone with chromosomes. He will never be able to regrow cells. You can in- inject more white blood cells, but you cannot You cannot create chromosomes. Okay, this is the baseline, too, I'm talking about. Okay. You cannot do that. Mm-hmm. He's dead. He is dead right now. If he doesn't have chromosomes, his cells cannot generate. Right. What's the point? It's a ticking time bomb. What's the fucking point? Right here on day eight. Which is, is where you would think about like hospice care type thing. No, I mean, you if you don't, your you, chromosomes it, are destroyed. There right? is you no cannot, life-saving measure that you can do. But you want to try to keep him comfortable until he dies. Right. A, you are a That's dead right. man. You are a dead man. Right. And at okay, that point, I'm just saying. I'm just saying you are a dead man. And at that point, like Jen and I said, it is the doctor's responsibility, like in hospice care, that you just try to make the patient as comfortable as possible. And that's what they did, right, in Japan? I'm well, assuming no. There's a reason why we're doing this episode. Day 11. I'm skipping some science oh, stuff. Oh, well, my day, my time has passed. Day, what'd you say, day three? I said eight. Oh. Day 11. Let me talk about his condition. He was noticing signs of fatigue. He was constantly complaining of thirst. Which, if you remember Chernobyl, they all did that. Because you start to dry out. Like Spongebob when he went to Sandy's house. Visible symptoms also started appearing on Ouchie's condition, starting with his skin. When medical tape was removed from his chest, the skin underneath started coming off with the tape. Marks left by the tape never disappeared. Gradually, tape became difficult to use. On October 9th, day 10, after irritation, it was entirely forbidden to use tape on Ouchie's skin. His condition also including his skin on his feet completely fell off. So he didn't even need any of those foot peels. The blood formed in his right lung. If his skin fell off, what is there? Muscle. Yeah, muscle. Does Does he not bleed out from that? No, well, you, no, you don't bleed unless you hit like a vein or artery. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you have uh, your tissue has all kinds of blood in it, like little uh, what do you call them? Little uh, vest blood vessels. You know, but they don't bleed out. They just kind of cover. So they everything. just wrapped. Yeah. His- so I mean, he's. I'm. I'm gonna show you some pictures. Don't you worry about <laughs> that. Blood formed in his right lung. The only way to remove it was with a long needle. But 
What what is the risk of putting a long needle in him? You're gonna he's gonna bleed out. He has no platelets. That and he risk infection because mm. anything. I mean, he would literally. They would literally have to sanitize it, and then there could be any type of microcosm in the air that could irritate that needle. Now, what what day is this? I say eleven. This is day eleven. This is the first time in recorded that he cries out in, in pain. pain? Jinx. That's two episodes in a row. Mm-hmm. Ouchie was pushed beyond his limit, as evidenced by his numerous outcries recorded in the nursing records during this period. I can't take it anymore. Stop it. I want to go back to Ibakari. Mother, don't leave me alone. Then the doctor says, only five more minutes. Please hang in there. Ouchie suddenly sat up and took off his mask and yelled, quote, I don't want to do this anymore. Forget the treatment. I'm going home. I'm leaving. I mean, he was in fucking pain, dude. The following words uttered by Ouchie shocked the physicians and nurses in charge of his treatment. I'm not a guinea pig. Ooh. There you go. So now you know the story. Now you know where this is going. Because this is day 11. This book, the real title of this book a slow death. Now, this is day 11 we just talked about. A slow death. 83 days Whoa. of radiation sickness. He, <sighs> on day 11, says, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not a guinea pig. On day 11. Things don't get better. Okay? At not one point in this, the whole time, does things get any better. I can't believe he lived that long. Mm-mm-mm. Holy shit. Um, his, wow. so that now you see why it's on a murder podcast. And, and the question I want you guys to know, since you now know it's 83 days is when is, wh- where's the line? Because it, this is, if you don't think this uh, affects our society, it does. Okay. Think about, you know, you have a loved one that gets cancer and maybe she's older. Okay. And she's kind of at the end of her life and you know, you want her to get better, so you you know she goes through chemo and all this stuff, but she's suffering. It, you know, is this is a, a real thing you it need is. to think about. All right, so at this time, his breathing started to deteriorate, and at this point, day eleven, from now on, he's not going to be able to talk to any of his family men- members anymore because there's a permanent tube in his throat mm. to help him breathe. He cannot talk to anyone. The only messages he can send is when. He is in pain and he has facial expressions. He cannot talk. He cannot do anything. He is on the table and pretty much dead. But these treatments are being done against as well. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I did not say that. And he had the whole time. Number one, he didn't know how much radiation he got. Okay. He gets to the hospital and he doesn't know he had the fatal So dose. he's thinking maybe he's got four or whatever. That's why you he read that know. one quote where he's like, oh, shit, I hope I don't get leukemia or something. He doesn't know how bad it is. Huh. They're yeah. not letting him know how bad it is. And and that's this is a really hard Interesting. Uh, episode to do because I don't want to make them seem like villains, and they're not. But it's the society. Uh, it's that and it, J- Japanese especially. Because if you know anything about the Japanese people is they will fucking fight to the death. Holy shit, we've seen that. World War II, we've seen that shit. They would they would literally not stop. We had a bomb twice for them to stop. Okay, they won't stop. They will fight to the death. It's an honor thing. That's why you read the thing was like, 
I'm a physician and I would not be dishonored to lose a patient. What a fucking American doctor says I would not be dishonored. Are you that fucking shitting me? interesting, though, that they're not disclosing the full, all of the information to the patient, though. Right. What do you mean? So, like, if in a in a diagnosis, and in, in you can take it, we've mentioned cancer before, where, like, you're told it's stage three, stage four, whatever There's it is. There's no stages. No, no one has I'm, ever been I, poisoned I'm giving, this no, 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 much. I'm just giving an example of cancer. So if a oh. patient is diagnosed with cancer, and the, doc- the doctor is required to say, like, what stage... Like treatment options, and it's a patient's choice. It doesn't seem like full information was given to the patient to say how serious it is, and so he under fully understood what options were available to mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. All right, so day twenty-seven, right? He I started to experience that. an intense pain in his epidermis, which is the outer layer mm-hmm. of skin, which was quote gradually disappearing mm, okay so your skin so look dermis, at your skin and then the epidermis yeah you remember like the simpsons say your epidermis is showing you remember that's yeah. funny but your skin also weenus your skin right here you i'm pinching my skin right now in front of these girls like this skin i'm pinching is gone and All guess what it. it's not coming back you know why because you don't have any chromosomes and there's no blueprint to make it if you if you want to build a house but you don't have a blueprint, you ain't gonna build shit. If you don't You've have a blueprint a to build skin, you ain't gonna build it. You ain't gonna build skin with no blueprint. Your chromosomes are fucked. They ain't coming getting better. You're fucked. Okay, day twenty seven. So he has no skin now. I'll show you a picture in a second. Mm-mm. His family is now folding paper cranes, and they actually folded like ten thousand. Is some? Are Japanese they gonna send them do. down oh, the river? Shit. The paper cranes book isn't that a book that yeah isn't there don't, don't they like send the, the, don't they like well, the throw Japanese them people out do that shit. like they, to make them fly or send them down a river do. or something to it, say it goodbye? Seems like a waste of paper to me. Okay, Although it's they, meaningful. They, they, they they weren't allowed to keep them in the room because it was sterile. Anyway, the condition day twenty seven. Mm-hmm. How's the skin look? Mm-hmm. I don't know because he doesn't have any. It all fell off. Mm-mm. Now, they actually decided to graft the skin from the sister, which would take about two to four weeks to to accomplish. You know what grafting is, right? Yeah. Normally, for a burn victim, we cut off the damaged skin and new skin grows underneath. But in Mr. Ouchie's case, it was impossible to determine which parts were actually damaged. And we had no idea if the skin would regenerate. So we decided that the skin removal was difficult. In the end, we all all we could do was apply antibiotic ointment to prevent infection and observe his condition. All right. Now, this is what day? 27, you said. This is his hand when he came in. The regular hand, right? Swollen? Swollen. Day 27? Hey. Oh, he looks like a dead body already. That's what his hand looked like. It, it, look, it looks his brown. dead, yeah. It looks dead. Like he should be it's in the ground. It's not fallen off yet, but it's... It, yeah, because it's, it's dead. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. rejuvenate. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I thought you guys would be more grossed out by that. Well, I was I'm expecting it to just not be... I was expecting zero skin. Not just dead skin. Not only that, but at this point, his body fluids start oozing out of his skin. Oh, yucky. Now, the volume of that within this whole time goes from... One liter. So think about a two liter drink, uh, you know, two liter Dr. Pepper. Mm-mm. One liter of skin every day, of uh, fluid every day, you know, like the pus and, uh, yep. you know, that just 
gross white, like not even white, like milky skin fluid that comes out. One liter, okay, within the first few days. And it goes up to two liters. So think about that two liter. I mean, You're like filling that with mm. with a fluid body fluid, and then by Nove- mid November, ten liters per day. <gasps> ten liters. Oh my god! You know how they measured it? Uh, Gallons. Well, no, they measured it by so they would put the bandages on them. They weighed the bandages before, see how much they weigh, and then when they get all wet with ten fucking liters, which is like. Two you know, and you a go half to gallons. store and buy a fucking Mountain Dew in a two liter. You but get five four, of them, bitches. But four liters is a gallon. Yeah, so ten liters per day, and then they measure the bandages, and that's how much volume was in it. That's five. He gallons. also at day twenty-seven intense diarrhea, green watery stool, kidney failure. Was he even eating? Like, did they have a feeding no, tube? No, they had feeding tube. Yeah, and, and it was not even food. It was like vitamins, and his body wouldn't accept it. Anyway, kidney failure set in, could not close his eyes, and they kept bleeding. His eyes kept, his eyeballs oh are bleeding. God. You know, like uh, the Virgin Mary is, you know, the statue with her eyes that bleeds. Ouchie's eyelids did not close shut. A yellow ointment was applied to protect his eyes from drying. Sometimes his eyes bled. Mika Hosokawa imagined that Ouchie was crying tears of blood because of his suffering. Mm. His nails also fell off. Mm. Oh, gross. Uh-uh. Yeah. I need a manicure, but not like, I don't know if I want polish. I just want them to fix my cuticles, you know? Like, ah. Uh. In a pedicure. My toes are bad, too. And my eyebrows. Those are the one things I try to keep up because that's like the one thing I have going for me. But those need to be done, too. At this point, he could no longer talk or even move. It was so painful for him to even move that you know, they have to move them because they don't want the fluid to just pile up in one spot. They right. have to keep moving them. But it was so, in- I mean, intensely painful. And he began making grimaces with his face. Mm. To, that's, I mean, because he can't talk. He's got a tube in his mouth. Uh, I'm surprised he, like, even had enough strength to control movements in his face. I, I Honestly, it was probably a natural fucking thing. It's probably just his natural response to pain. At this point, he's pretty much clocked out. But it's going to get a lot worse. So, Still? Yeah. According to his medical chart, a sedative called propofol and a painkiller called fentanyl were constantly administered intravenously. Every hour, 200 milligrams of fentanyl, a synthetic narcotic said to be 100 times more effective than morphine hydrochloride, was administered. Yeah, so fentanyl, if you, um, if you watch a lot of drugs, zinc, that's the thing that they're cutting with heroin. Fentanyl is very, very and deadly. And actually, mm-hmm. we um, on Will's podcast, Quackery, covered fentanyl. And is it's an elephant tranquilizer. Mm. Car fentanyl is 100 times more powerful than that. And a, a tiny, like, millimeter that you can't hardly see on the face of a penny that covers... Like, think of a penny and you think of Abe Lincoln's face. Mm-hmm. 
a tiny amount that covers that is enough to kill like what ten thousand people. I think it was a hundred people. A hundred people. Yeah, it's it's very 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 very. So you can have fun. like a tiny little baby granule of sh- like a sugar yeah. granule size and of fentanyl, and it will you will die. Yeah, and propofil is the one that uh, Michael Jackson was on. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I thought it was fentanyl actually. Oh, fentanyl. Yeah, I mean this is like the same thing. I don't know. And then Prince died too, wasn't he? Was it wasn't that related to him? I don't know. But this is why we don't do drugs over here, guys. We're not trying. Well, like let's die. not speak for everyone here. <laughs> um, all right, they also <laughs> administered a special K, which is ketamine for all you guys mm. that uh, are in the medical field and abuse drugs. Yeah, or it could also be your favorite cereal in the morning. Let's not forget. Mm-hmm. I like the red berries. Now, at this point, what day are we at here? Day 27. Mm-hmm. Every medical professional in the room was questioning themselves and contemplating if they should even continue, but no one broached the subject because, you know, the head doctor, Makawa, you know, he was so determined to save his life. Even though, as you guys saw, it was motherfucking hopeless from the yeah, fucking Yeah, unless you're going to invent some happened. new science that allows chromosomes to repair or regenerate. But it's a Japanese thing. I'm telling you, fight to the death. Pride. I'm telling you, they're, the samurai tradition, you, you know, a lot of the Japanese... Um, when they dishonor their family, they'll do, and I can't remember the name, but they'll take that sword and stick it right in their stomach and the kill katana? themselves. Yeah, or whatever. You know, the, the actual thing they do. It's like a, they dishonor their family, they'll kill themselves with a sword and they'll grind up their organs with the sword and kill themselves. It's, mm. it's fucking Japan, man. Oh, that's fucking nuts, terrible. dude. In a good They're way. They're dedicated. They're like very ha- even, even, hard workers. Yeah, even today, like they're work schedules are actually killing them yeah and you know what i could eat japanese food like every day and never get tired of it so i would never i could eat- too i could eat sushi every day i don't know about sushi but definitely chicken teriyaki with some rice mm, i might get some tomorrow yamaguchi was no longer confident that his work brought happiness or joy to anyone objectively speaking the patient's chances of survival were obviously very low Amid such low odds of recovery, the patient's condition became increasingly miserable with each passing day. Extensive medical resources, medical supplies, and blood were being exhausted for the patient's treatment. Yet the treatment itself was inflicting pain on the patient. Under such conditions, how much longer could the medical personnel be permitted to continue treatment? Yamaguchi constantly contemplated this question. All right, so right now you're going to want to go to talkmore.com to see this picture. We're going to talk about this is day 27. Remember, I said 83 days. That's a, almost and, a and whole And the reason month. I told you guys it's too early for you guys to make any decisions about if, if it's moral. Okay. Remember, we're at day 27. And I'm about to show you this picture. Did you guys know this year is a leap year? I did know it was a leap year. The skin on his front side of his body had almost completely disappeared, and he was bleeding from his mouth and intestines. The medical team was so desperate replenishing his fluid loss. Perhaps in the name of treatment, they were forcing Ouchie to continue living in his condition. Now, this is day 27. How many days was it? 83. Ooh. You see those little white pieces of paper mm-hmm. that's skin grafts they were trying to regrow his skin do you see that that is his back oh it's infected no it's it's pussy. that is what he looks like at day 27 oh. what do you think he's gonna look like at day 83 uh-uh. okay 
Now you tell me. How, I'm so amazed. Now I'm going to leave that on the screen. You tell me if it's mm-hmm. worth fucking continuing at day 27. Okay. That's why I wanted you guys to wait I to tell be- your thing. I can't believe how. Jen is not even looking at much it. Much blood he must have been losing two. Ten liters a day. With all the, yeah, pus and whatever. Look at the fluid. You can see the fluid on the table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But even so, even though he's getting the skin grafts, right, because he has no chromosomes, they still can't replenish. So they would constantly have to graft his skin. Yeah. So, no, they were grafting his sister's skin. Right. So, yeah, they would, so they that's would, his sister's. Oh, the, how much but, trauma does she go through for that, too? Like, But you know? she was there. I mean, I mean, because, number one, no, no family member knows what radiation science is. They, they don't know this shit. They, if the doctor says, "Hey, we, I think I can save them," then you're gonna go full head on. But a lot of people talk shit about this doctor that he was just using him as a guinea pig, but, and yeah, he was. But at the same time, like, I really don't believe that he was doing it as like a malicious act. No, I, I, I don't believe think he was so. seriously, you know, conflicted uh, over where whether he should keep going, and you can really see that. And but but because. The chromosomes were destroyed. But, but when does it become? I, I know, but I'm just saying, like you can, she, he can skin have skin grafts implanted, but the, he would have to get it implanted over and over again because he's never going to generate new ones, right? Yeah, he will never. His chromosomes so are permanently no messed up. His not only skin, everything. Like, I mean, you cannot live without chromosome regeneration. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, But what you, other precautions were taken to, like, other than the skin grafts, he's living off a feeding tube. No, he's living off a feeding tube and he's living off a shit ton of medication. Fentanyl, morphine, um, hydroxycone, whatever the fuck. Like, uh, there's all the shit we're going to talk about that Will's going to tell us about that he was on. I mean, it was just, he was a machine. He, he was a machine. Like a, did he have like a, were his lungs functioning? Was his heart functioning naturally? Not, uh, now, yeah, but as we move on now, and okay. I'm about to show you. So right now, I mean, like what, like he would naturally be able to breathe and his heart would beat naturally. Do you think, you think you'd be able to breathe looking like that? I mean, it would you be How painful. natural would that be? It'd be hurtful. It'd be painful. You, all your skin is gone. How fucking excruciating you think? Look at that picture. How much pain do you think that guy's in? I mean, a lot of pain. I'm not saying. The pain where you can't even talk. You're just in another world. It's so much pain. Every, I mean, your skin, just think about if you just get skinned like a fucking fish mm. and you're sitting there and open to or the elements. Or even like that that episode with the the Indians, the Native Americans. Oh, the scalping? Yeah. Yeah, Ugh, yeah but this is worse because it's all over your body. Yeah. I mean, look at this. This is butt. Look at it. I mean, it's no skin. And they're just putting it on there, like the skin grafts on there. Mm. Like, oh, maybe this will help. That's like, uh, that's worse than laying down with a sunburn because you literally have no skin left. It's like... There's nowhere to go. I mean, he's melted right there. That's... This is radiation. It it eats you from the inside out. And it's it's extremely... It's the most gruesome way you can die. And and the pain was immense. Words were insufficient to describe his appearance. Still, I wanted the family members to accept the truth, so I described his condition without glossing over the ugly details. The family never showed signs of giving up. They always seemed to have hope. Day 59, November 27, 1999. So if you can do some math in your head, you probably figure out he ain't going to make it. So he's hooked to an artificial breathing apparatus. He cannot breathe on his own. He's also hooked to an electrocardiogram 
machine. Now, they don't know that he can't breathe on his own. They don't know that his heart can't pump on his own. But they needed to take x-rays to look for literally mold toxins. I mean, and the infections and all kinds of shit. They need to take x-rays. Okay. So they what they do is unhook those wires of the electrocardiogram and the breathing apparatus. Now, they took off both the devices offline at 7.01 a.m. and they thought he was you're going to be fine. You know, he's breathing, right? He's, his heart's pumping. He's good. So they took him off to do the x-rays. They got the x-rays, x-rays or whatever, which is just what he needs. More fucking radiation in his body. Fucking mm, x-rays, right? right? Mm-hmm. Then once they reconnected all those uh, wires to the the heart pumper and the breathe tuber, they realized that the entire time he was neither breathing or his heart was pumping. The entire time he was dead, okay, for like 10 minutes. Now, Makaiwa, the, the head doctor, comes running in and says immediately, quote, give him bozamine. And our uh, quackery doctor, Will, will tell you what that is right here. What's cracking, talk murder crew? Uh, it's Dr. Will the Pill here. Just at the request of my buddy John, uh, he was working on a really medical intensive podcast this week, he said, and he wanted me to answer him. There's a few questions here. His first was, what is a drug uh, called Bosman? And uh, I had to really dig deep into the old Google machine for this one because it actually goes by a different name. Here in America. So it is epinephrine, and mm-hmm. uh, you guys probably know it here in America. Um, EpiPens. In, this, in the States, as uh, usually you'll see it as an EpiPen. In America, and most of you probably know about an EpiPen. Uh, you've seen them on, if you haven't had personal experience with them, you've seen it on movies. You know, it's typically from severe allergic reactions, maybe where someone's, you know, uh, throat is closed off, they can't breathe. Or you think you... You saw how they work in the movie Pulp Fiction. That is not accurate. Uh, you never want to inject something in someone's heart. It's oh. never a good idea. They never do it in medical practice. That was uh, quackery, as as we would say in the biz. But that was what they would have injected in, in the movie. And they may, you know, use epinephrine if your heart stops. But typically, they would use other measures to, to try to get it going again, including CPR. But never would inject it into the heart. But anyway, this is, um yeah, it's... Epinephrine, also known as adrenaline. So um, there you go for that one. It's basically, it's basically like to fucking, it's like Save adrenaline. It's yeah, like, it is. I'm back alive, motherfucker. That's exactly what it is. So he was dead, completely flatlined. Completely flatlined. Epinephrine, boom, shot. I mean, I'm talking about massive doses right. here. Yeah. I'm talking about Pulp Fiction in the fucking heart. Yep. Heart start pumping again at ten or at seven ten a.m. His heart starts pumping. It was down for ten nine minutes. So now there's probably brain damage. Seven ten, the timeline's important. Seven one stops pumping. Seven ten starts pumping. Seven twenty five stops pumping. More Bosemine, more CPR. Seven thirty four. What is that? Nine minutes later, starts pumping. Seven fifty. Cardiac arrest stops pumping. Administered dopamine, malian, and magnazole. Eight fourteen, which is a fucking long time. It was like twenty four minutes. Twenty four minutes later, eight fourteen starts pumping. Eight forty 
starts breathing on his own again. In total, his heart was completely stopped for 49 minutes. Wow. Mm. Okay. If you don't think you, if you think your fucking heart could stop and you don't have intense brain damage, then you are ridiculous. Obviously, the guy is, he's basically a vegetable. Yep. Yeah. You know, your your brain didn't get blood, oxygen, you're a vegetable. It's not like the frog that we saw on that, uh, that one document, the nature documentary that this frog. I thought you were talking like, about the Looney Tunes frog that always no, comes this, back to this, life after the, this, uh, after the dissection. You know what I'm talking about? What's his name? Oh, he has a name. Uh, no, this frog can, uh, he gets, when the really cold parts, uh, where was it at? Alaska. Alaska. He basically freezes and his heart stops and then he thaws out and lives again. It's mm. fucking nuts. It's like chirogenics or whatever. Cryogenics. Cryogenics. Oh yeah, like how Ted Williams had his like frozen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like that's I don't I don't think that's gonna help anything. All right, so um, at this point, we're at day fifty-seven. He no longer responded to family, only facial expressions of pain. And the question is, after forty-seven minutes of not having a heartbeat whatsoever, was he brain dead? Now, as I talked about earlier, the Japanese tradition, I really couldn't do it any justice. But if you want to read this, Nicole, this is from. His family. Words spoken by his family remain in the nursing records. The mother spoke to her son. Hisashi, hang in there. The father whispered into his son's ear, hang in there until the end. You hear that? Hang in there until the end. Mm. The family says hang in there to the end. I mean, they. it's it's an honor thing. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how much more of an end you can get though. Like his heart is not but pumping. I'm saying it is the tradition. That, man. I, I know that, but like, that's, I, that is where my ultimate line is. If your heart is not yeah. pumping and in your lungs are not working. You're also an American. I, I know I'm an American, <laughs> but like, it, like if, yeah. if those things aren't working. Okay. So if you're, if those things are not working compared with, you know, you being brain dead, like that's, that's my line. If you're, if those machines are helping you, and if there's hope for you to make a recovery, and you're still alert and can converse, like okay, that's one thing. But if you are, if you cannot converse, if you need a machine to help you pump your heart, if you need a machine to help you breathe your lungs, like that's when I'm going to move you into a situation that is, you know, you know, I want you to live your days as many as you can. I mean, I just, I, yeah. I just don't. So, so the guys, I want you guys to uh, go to our Facebook page and comment. Like, tell us what you think. Think about your wife, your husband, if they were unfortunately ever in this situation. Like, when is when's the line? Where's the line? You know, I'm always trying to figure out where that line is. Where's the standard? You know, where's the standard for the doctors? Where's the line? Yeah, that too much suffering is enough, you know, and and to let it go. Like, where is that? I want you guys to really think about this because I know this is in Japan, but this also happens over here. I mean, you you know, your loved one gets cancer. He he or she goes to chemo and there's no hope, but you still push, push, push. And they're suffering daily. And, you know, when's when is when is enough? Now he's going through complete kidney failure, quote, reduced Hepatic blood flow indicates liver failure. So guess what? He's on dialysis 24-7. Day 63. This is December 7th. Obviously, he's not going to make it to Willennium 2000. Mm. No longer moved his body. I mean, he's brain dead. You guys understand he's brain dead. There's no doubt about it. 
no longer mood body, no longer opened eyes, brain, this is a very important brain, no longer reacted to stimuli, mm. no longer maintained blood pressure, vasopressors, dibutamine, hydrochloride, and uh, neoephrine to maintain blood pressure, as Will's going to tell you right here. They gave, uh, I guess, whoever this poor victim in this week's story John picked, what's uh, known as, uh, he said, vasopressor drugs. In the biz, they're, they're more often called, you know, we'll abbrev- I'll use them abreves and call them pressors. Um, but those are, pressors are a, a kind of a, a broad a group of any drug that it will raise blood pressure. So typically, um, all us fat Americans, we don't have to worry about that. We're typically, most of us are taking drugs for blood pressure being too high. And a lot of those will work by dilating your blood vessels. Some pressors work by constricting those. But I think the ones that John was talking about in particular, um, he said uh, dobutamine and norepinephrine, those are going to work as sympathomimetic. So it's actually going to increase your heart's output to try to to try to get that um, volume back up and in in your blood pressure back up that way from the source, basically from your heart. So that's why you wouldn't want to poke a hole in your heart because <laughs> then it's just going to leak. And mm. so don't pull fiction <laughs> is not true. I guess that's all the questions he had. So um, I appreciate you guys uh, letting me spit a little knowledge at you here. And again, this is Dr. Will the Pill from your other favorite podcast, Quackery. So check us out. And as always, keep calm, quack on. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Will the Pill. Damn, I can't believe you don't shoot it into your heart. I know. No, I thought that it's always the it's always the hip air, like the the thigh. I thought Pulp Fiction was but accurate. The, that was a needle, though. <laughs> yeah. So, but that so, was adrenaline. Well, first, first, yeah, adrenaline, first, not just first. What you have to do is you have to make sure. So, when I was an athletic training major, this is one of the things that we had to learn. So, you always want to make sure that you get consent from the person that you're going to treat. Is it okay? Like art. You know, can I help you? Yes. Okay. So then you take their their EpiPen and you stick it in their thigh and then you inject the medicine. And that's how it works. At 3 p.m., his blood pressure went from 140 to 100, which puts him into a state of shock. Mm. Now, this is after he had three heart stops. You said this is day 63? This is day 63, yeah. His pupil no longer... Think about this. Do you... You guys ever get stopped by DUI? I've never have. I no. don't know. The, the cop shines uh, the light in your eye. The follow this stuff. You know, follow this. But we also heard on Live PD that it's not their te- they're not testing to see if you're t- intoxicated. They're testing to see how intoxicated you are. His pupil no longer responded to light. You shine a bright light right in your pupil. Mm. You know, I, I often turn the lamp on in the bed and, and uh, my dog Stella is like, turn that shit off, you fuckhead. She literally says that. <laughs> and that's a red light. Yeah. So imagine a bright white light right in your pupil. Mm. I mean, it kind of burns. The sensation is like, oh, fuck, get this shit you, out of my fucking eye, asshole. It makes you react, yeah. It's like when you see uh, someone riding with their highlights uh, going down the road. He's like, get the fuck out of my eye. Okay, his pupil no longer responded, didn't flinch, didn't quench, mm. didn't move, didn't smooth, nothing. Okay, if that doesn't mean brain damage, I don't know what. That also, a lot of doctors would say that's damage directly to the brain stem. Mm. However, the team, now this is very important to go through, you know, to go into the whose fault is it. Right. 
the team, the entire medical team listed on his chart as, quote, uncertain instead of saying that his pupils were, quote, not responsive. They just said it was uncertain. Hmm. That's very big. Yeah. Because not responsive means you got brain damage. Right. Uncertain means uh, we don't know yet. Day 81, December 19th, 1130 p.m. His chart finally reflected the three letters that he probably was praying for the entire time. Do you guys know what they are? Three letters. T-O-D. D-N-R. DNR, very good. That means do not resuscitate. Oh. That means no matter what, if his heart stops again, we do not resuscitate him. That enough's enough, Makawa. Who, who made that? No, I, was thinking, I was thinking time of death. The uh, Dr. Makawa, or I am probably pronouncing the name wrong. Probably so, completely different than what I, I said. I wonder why after all that time. But if you read wrong. the book, you can, it actually, the book actually goes through not only the timeline, but it goes through the internal conflict of these nurses and doctors, there's like, you know, there's a point where there's like, I don't, you know, is this moral? Is this not? We've never, no one's ever dealt with a situation like mm. this. You know, I mean, is it worth it? Should we keep going? You know, how do we stop? Like, I mean, what does this look like? Mm. So it's an internal conflict, the entire book. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you can really see it. So on day 83, he just, he said, you know what? I, I'm not going to give up. I'm not giving up. But if if his heart stops again, let's do not resuscitate. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not giving up, but do not resuscitate. And that was a big step. Yeah, that was a big step because, I mean, think about it. It must have been is, a hit to his pride, too. This is 83 days. And this guy was suffering. I mean, I mean, you're about to see a picture you won't even believe is real. You think it's photoshopped and you want to tell me. You know, they've been doing this for 83 days is, is, I mean, it's, it's incredible. So do not resuscitate day 83, the last day of his life, December 21st. He didn't make it to Willennium. What's your birthday? 1991, a mold called Aspergillus appeared. Silvery white mold appeared. It covered his entire body. It basically, it's a mold that, you remember that 10, Liters of fluid, mm-hmm. it basically eats that up, Ugh. and it covered his entire body. It enveloped his entire body in a few hours, and at 11.21, December 21st, 1999, Hisashi Ochi passed away at 35 years old. And if you go to talkmire.com, because this is this is what you got to ask yourself, is did we go too long? Oh, yes. No. Yeah. Oh my God! That's not. That's. Is that too long? Yes. That was right when he died. That's what he looked like at time of death. At time of death, do you see how skinny he is? He is. Oh he has God. no skin. He looks like a... he. He has that. That's muscle. Every everything you're seeing on his body is his muscle, and that muscle is being eaten away. He has no chromosomes. He cannot regenerate anything. You see, his face is completely faceless. He is his, mummified his, almost. His arms are being supported up. He 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 is sinking into the bed. Do you see that? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's this is day eighty three. This is when he died. Is this enough? It, it's too when, much. when was it too? So you said when it is too much. Too you much. just said it's too much. That's the question I want to know. When is it too much? I don't believe these doctors doctors should be at fault, especially when the family members really want them to keep on. 
But when is That's enough? Because awful. your your family members go through this. They As go through chemo. Member, they go through this stuff. If I ever saw my family member look like that, I I I, I mean no, that's just that's too awful. much. That's too much. That does not even. You're right. That does. Qual- it's a real. question about quality of life, and they 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 passed that a long time ago. I think it almost looks like he's a torture victim. Honestly, exactly. That's what the point of this case is. I mean, was it? I mean, I know it's not murder. They didn't actually murder and it's him. It's not actually, I wouldn't say did torture. They, did they mean, torture him by, were they keeping him for science references? And Because, I mean, he'll be studied, you know, for, for future medical documents and stuff. He'll be in the books and you'll learn from him. But was he a guinea pig or was he actually being, trying to survive? Because you remember the first time we read that he got over twice the overdose of 100% mortality, he was dead. Number two, his chromosomes were completely blasted. He's dead. He's dead from day one. Dead from day one. Day 83, that's what he looks like. After three heart stops. From his arrival at the hospital until the moment of his death, he suffered enormously, both physically and emotionally. He probably didn't have much peace of mind either. I wanted to tell him that he had done his best throughout the three months under those conditions because I don't think he had a moment of tranquility the entire time. First few days, he was good hearted and, you know, he seems like a really good guy. And I mean, you see this picture is just it doesn't even look like his real. It looks like it's some uh, some horror movie. His arms were being hoisted up. He couldn't move. I mean, this is intense suffering. This is, you, you know, this is. This is awful. I mean, this is awful. You see this picture and, uh, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are before you hear this story, but you see this picture and they'll definitely change. If you read the very back of this book after he died, you'll see all the nurses really had a uh, crisis in their life. A lot of them went through a lot of crisis with this. They, They wondered what life was. I've heard that plenty of times in this book. What is life? What does life mean? What was the point? Like, you know, these guys, you know, it's it's a question I wanted to bring up on this podcast because, you know, I think we do push the boundaries on this podcast. And I and I do stories that no one else will do and no one else is going to do this research on the story. And if you want to hear the story this is the only fucking podcast that's going to do it. And I want to ask the question, like, when's enough enough? That's the question for this episode. So anyway, um, let's talk about the autopsy because they're required to uh, autopsy. Quote, his intestines were swollen. This is an autopsy report. Quote, his intestines were swollen like a writhing serpent. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. Every, 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 every underlying mucous membrane in his body had disappeared. Muscle cells had lost all of the fiber. The fiber is what holds your muscle together. Okay. And only the cell membrane was left. If you want to see some of these science pictures, I know it's hard to, to see, to understand if, if you're not really in the science field, which I'm really not. But that's like, that that's what his muscles should look like. But the fiber, that's what his muscles look like there. There's, there's nothing holding it together. Okay. Um, only one functioning organ, one functioning organ in his body. Which was? one fu- One organ worked in his body. Okay, and that, and also that was the only one with white or with red blood cells, and, the, and this is definitely a Japanese thing. Okay, and I, I don't know what to think about this. 
I don't I don't really know what to think about this, but this is definitely a a Japanese culture thing here. If you want to read this, Nicole. From the pitiful condition of Mr. Auchi's internal organs, I could see that Mr. Auchi had lived with all his might. He really had done his best. And from his heart, the one internal organ that remained vividly intact. The one re- the one organ was his heart. I think I heard Mr. Auchi's message that he wanted to continue living. It I, even occurred to me that Mr. Auchi's heart was unaltered by the radiation and continued functioning because of his determination to live. You hear that? Because his heart, the only organ in his body, was literally completely unscathed. Okay, you see his heart right here. This picture I'm showing you, you go to talkmore.com. This is his regular muscle tissue right here. And this is his heart muscle. Y- your heart is a, basically a muscle and it's, it's yeah, very it is, protected yeah. with other muscles, right? It's very uh, well protected. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was the only organ still working. But I so thought you the, said it was on a machine, though. His, it, it was, but lungs. it was the only organ that wasn't uh, basically stripped down to mm-hmm. nothing, oh, but to cell membrane. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, I didn't mean that. It, it wasn't working per se, but it wasn't completely stripped down to its cell membrane. This, you know, the cell membrane, which you yeah. said earlier, mm-hmm. earlier, the nucleus of powerhouse of the fucking cell or whatever the you said. Mitochondria. Yeah. So that's all that's in here is mitochondria or whatever. The heart at least still had full muscle. Yeah, it wasn't deteriorated by the radiation. I didn't. I didn't mean to say it was. It was still working because it wasn't. But it was the only one that didn't deteriorate. So you know, and I guess it's comfort for the family. But the heart, you know, his heart, his drive, his desire to live. Mm-hmm. You know, it. It. I mean, and who the fuck knows why his heart didn't. Because, I mean, the radiation, obviously, as I said earlier, went straight to his abdomen. So it's really close to his heart. Right. But the heart is also protected by the sternum as well. Protected. Protected by a lot of muscle. The heart's a huge muscle. So, you know, I imagine it. I'm not a scientist, but it's a lot of muscle to get through. You know, your liver is thinner, you know, so we could just eat it up real quick. And, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but... You know, his heart was in pretty good shape, but I guess they did that to, you know, I was thinking it it may be a Japanese tradition, like, oh, his heart, his desire to live, you know, he's noble, he's honorable, but, you know, it's also for the family, like, you know, his heart, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? But in reality, it's just that one lucky organ that didn't completely get stripped of everything. Right. I mean, fuck, man, I don't know this, you know, I, you know, and I knew reading this book was going to be in a chronological order i knew day one was going to be bad and i knew as as i kept getting through it was going to get worse and worse right you know and i don't know what to think about this case let me tell you about what happened at the very end um cause of death quote presumed to be multiple organ dysfunction primarily or secondarily provoked by exposure to high doses of radiation i mean he died of nuclear infusion in his body or whatever Mm -hmm. none of the doctors got arrested i i'm i'm okay with that six of the uh the personnel at the facility remember i talked about earlier they're doing the shadow like basically going around the regulations they did get arrested they did a couple years Mm. you know i I think that was fair in my opinion because i mean they obviously didn't know this was going to happen and this was kind of a learning experience but you know uh, a lot of people think the doctor should have been, uh, 
you know, put in prison and stuff like that. I, I don't mm. see it because the family, the family was there too, you know? And I mean, it's fucking tragic, man. I don't know, man. It's tragic. But to yeah. get it, let it, I mean, you see that last picture, to let it get to that, I don't fucking know, That's dude. That's terrible. That's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is, he's dead, dude. It's just a mummy that's you're keeping alive with yeah. drugs, dude. I mean, the amount of drugs they're pumping in them is fucking enormous, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Fuck. Now, I just wanted you guys to think about, you know, that question, you know, when's enough enough? When's the doctor's responsibility? You know, when's that line? And as a family member, you know, when when's that line when you know that your loved one's suffering, but, you know, they're going through all this medication and stuff that's really suffering you know when's it line to stop that's what i wanted to ask you guys so if you if you guys uh, want to tell me about it go to you know the facebook page or, or whatever and let us know i guess that's my story if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like the story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our nuclei, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talko Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it. Dedicate it to you on the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. Foreign agents. Now, this is what we're going to talk about real quick. It's a little sciencey, but this is hard as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay. Oh, this is challenging. Hold on. <laughs> Shit, this is fucking tough.